Good evening and welcome to episode 29 of the 3 on 3 podcast. Another week closer to the end of the season. Another week where Belfast have got a couple of fingers on some silverware, again. But the eighth spot now has a bit of a twist, as we've seen over the weekend and we'll no doubt discuss. This week we have the pleasure of the diva and a, a healthier Scott compared to when we spoke to him 24 hours previously. John, Scott, how are you gents? Wonderful. How are you boys? I'm, I'm good. Uh, Scott? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bit of a bit of a heavy one. So, yeah, back in form now. It was a combination of weekend away in Cheltenham. Uh, but enjoyed it nonetheless, I, I hope. Yes, 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 yes. That's what we like to hear. Before we go on to the guest voice, I'm, we're going to do a bit of milking. Um, and a thank you to everyone who listened to our last week's episode, our highest listened episode. Um, I've said it already on, on social media today. I think it, it was helped by the absolute fantastic com- content that Scott gave, but to our most ever listened episode. So thank you everyone who, uh, who gave us a shout out, a view from the bridge, give us a, a, a fair shout out. So thank you, gents. And a few other pods have done that. So, you know, thank you very much, guys. It's on there. Listen to it. Just listen for Scott. Ignore me, John and uh, John Smith, who was top dollar as ever. Just listen to Scott. So thank you for that. Um, we're getting good numbers nonetheless throughout. So uh, it's just a bit of a thank you. But what a what an episode it were, John. Me? Yes, you. I'm surprised you brought me back in so soon. I was waiting to have a nice sip of water. Yeah, it was fantastic. And I think that I, I said to Scott uh, before we started, it was nice to see him speaking with just... Nothing pre-planned. It was just pure emotion. It was something he felt passionate about. It wasn't to try and score any points or whatever. It was a serious issue we discussed. And I think it, it, it kind of hit the mark to some extent. It's made, I think, a lot of people think about maybe how they perceive things and maybe challenging themselves, which is always a good thing for everyone of us to do. And I just think the whole episode was, was, was fun. It just, it whizzed by and you can always tell when we've had a good night because it feels like we're on, the, on there for 15 minutes. It's been an hour and a half and, yeah, I think it was good, and I think uh, Scott was was massive last week, and I think he did uh, a great job and made himself um, come across very well. He did, and uh, all I've got to say, Scott, is thank you for for last week because you were, like I said, you were absolutely top dollar, mate. And uh, he's smiling, but with his rarity, we've got a happy and a smiley Scott. So we'll move on swiftly to the guest voice. Um, doubleheader, Belfast Cardiff. So we had to get the Tory back then. Matt, our pleasure to have Greg Hughes back on the pod. Greg, how are you, mate? Have you recovered from the weekend? Uh, just about, yes. Fresh in from, from Belfast. So, uh, cracking me dend as usual. But yes, thanks for having me back on. It was a pleasure. No, it's our pleasure, mate. I'm sure, you know, it's not like we've got much to live up to, mate. Not like the, the bar's high. But I'm sure this week will be just as good an episode as our previous one. So, weekend action. Belfast with three points. They dropped one against in Sunday in overtime to, Car- to Cardiff. Sheffield with three points, dropping a point to the Flames, who've got a four-point weekend. Nottingham, null point. <laughs> Five after a last playoff spot, null point. Losing to Glasgow. We had a four-point weekend. No, they didn't. Two point. My apologies. I'm getting too excited at Glasgow winning the game. It's that rare. It were Manchester who got the four-point weekend. Gents, very quickly, highlights from you all John it's a bit of a, a strange weekend because um, it makes things slightly more interesting in terms of the way that the the games went it's a shame that Cardiff couldn't have got more points in regulation over in Belfast which would have made it even more exciting I would have to say the highlight probably 
Guildford. Um, I saw the game. What day was it? Sunday. Yeah, Sunday. And I just wonder where this team has been for the previous couple of weeks. How has that team lost three games back to back at home? Did they just look tremendous at the weekend, and they probably just about deserved their win. They're back in with a little bit, but just it's frustrating. It's frustrating if they had another really crappy spell. Belfast would be under a bit more pressure right now, um, and I think they're probably sitting pretty, partly for being a very, very good team, uh, and partly from Belfast, sorry, Guildford rather, just pulling the bed at a very unfortunate time of the season for them. But I'd say Guildford was probably impressive. Two big wins, um, I think it's three from three in, in Sheffield, I, I think. I think I've seen them beat Sheffield three times this year. It's a very the away team has won every fixture in the six. Yeah, exactly. Three home and three away for opposite teams. It's bizarre. Um, but yeah, to see the way they played, and again, Owen Griffiths, again, tremendous player. It just shows the depth GB has when the guy's been even been spoken about as being, you know, in the GB squad, and, and to me, he looked fantastic again. Very good defensive player, and uh, hopefully he'll get himself in the squads at some point soon. Uh, my highlight is five. Um, not five. <laughs> Glasgow uh, going to five, and I, I think it was more of an element of five not turning up. But you've still got to, you've still got to do the business. And uh, another little highlight was uh, Mitch Cook this weekend for the Blaze. Absolutely phenomenal performance up in Dundee. Uh, yeah, uh, um, I would say obviously we had a double header, but ideally we needed to take probably four points from that weekend to make it a more interesting, as John said, for the run-in now over the last few games. Um, but yeah, I'd have to agree with, with Scott on the lower half of the table. Glasgow were into Fife and basically winning the game in the first period. Uh, did what they had to do. They've only got two games left now, clan, and they're looking pretty much nailed on for that for that last sort of spot for the playoffs. So yeah, it'd have to be those for me. Mine, mine, I'm sticking at home, but it's the retro weekend in Sheffield. And yeah, we were greedy, we had to have two days. But the Saturday night, more important, because they brought a load of the old team the, the, from the shirt that was being worn. And it was just great to have that nostalgia. We mentioned it when we talked about the reverse retro uh, idea. And it was just great. You had, you know, the stuff that you'd listen to when you were younger. You know, the music was better, though they still crept into it. Caroline, shock, fucking horror. Um, but it, a lot of old stuff, and it was just great. You know, forget the result. It was just nice to have that kind of nostalgic feel. And that, for me, was just a highlight. And I said on, on social media on Sunday night, this has to be permanent fixture. Because a lot of people, when they've had their game, uh, have said the same thing. So I think that's a, a, a big tick box done for the league on that one. Let's focus a bit on the doubleheader in Belfast. Um, like we say, on Saturday night, Belfast won 3-1. Sunday night, Cardiff won in overtime 5-4. Greg, just give us a quick um, overview of, of both games over the weekend, if you can remember. <laughs> yeah, I'll do my best, yes, if I can recall anything. Um, yeah, basically two great games between two really good teams over the weekend. And the, it was a really good advert for the game uh, in the UK. Um, both games, both teams really, really sort of proving on the line there. Um, quite evenly matched to my surprise because I was expecting a, a sort of a, a higher scoreline for both games going into the weekend with the way that Belfast has been performing, the way we've been performing. But uh, to be fair to us, we really stuck in there over the two games. Uh, game one, I just 
And if you look at the two games, really, the, it was a, t- a tale of, of the two goalies. Besco performed on the first game. Uh, didn't really give us a look in. We didn't take our chances. Uh, and the Giants took theirs over, over the game. Uh, they looked comfortable. And I think they probably had another couple of gears if we had turned ours up as well uh, on the first game. But, you know, just like I said, we, we did compete well over, over those two games. Um, not much in the way, uh, uh, it was pretty uneventful in, in any sort of sort of you know, incidents for the first game. Um, but, you know, like I said, they took the chances. And when you look at Belfast, there's, there's a saying, I think it was one of, a, a golfer said it once. He said, the harder I practice, the luckier I get. And when you look at the Belfast team and the pack always seems to go to them and you think, oh, they just get all the breaks. But they are just a good team and they, they, they know where their positions are. They know what they're doing. They know their, know their systems. And, you know, it, it, it's no, no luck really that they do get in those positions and, and take their chances. Um, but, yeah, they just always have a bit more of us on the, for, the, for the first game. Uh, we sort of, you know, come back in the third period. I think we pushed them back a bit more. Um, really took the game to them, but they just they were always in control of that first game. Uh, game two, we sort of just came out from the off and really sort of went at them, and we didn't really let that that for the rest of the game. We were just constantly at them, closing them down. Four check was really good. Um, we competed for everything. And also, it was good to see that every single player put a shift in whenever they got on the ice. And I think there's been some sort of performances over the years, should we say, where you think, well, you know, some lines haven't really sort of clicked, kicked off, wherever it is, and haven't, haven't sort of produced. But every single person produced a given a performance over that over that second game. Uh, Bounds in particular, some of the saves he made in that second game. Outstanding, and there was one instance in the second period on the third in the second game, sorry, where you know by the the reaction of the Belfast players, the sort of chance they had and the sort of save he made because the sticks went up above the head, they were just sort of looking round, and it was, you know, you could just tell how did he get there, and and it, it's, it's at that time as well, it was I think three three one they were pushing. Um, it, 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 it could have turned the game, um, but he did keep us in there over there. But like I said, we, we took our chances. Uh, all the forwards were on it. Waller, especially his goal, superb. The breakaway goal for the second. Uh, he had a really good game last night. But from you know each and every man played their part. Yet you know that in that second game. Uh, I say a part about the officials as well. There was a lot of talk this morning about the officials and the calls. And I think for me, over the course of the two games, they, they performed equally over the two games. There wasn't a particular one that was worse than the other. I just think because of the timing of that last call that was made, they thought it was a particularly bad one. But I've seen it back. I think everyone else has seen it back now. And it, it's, it's a call that's going to get made. It, you know, He put himself in a position where he tripped him up and, and that, that was it. But, you know, over the course, though, calls went either way for, for both teams. And, but I don't think it was particularly bad for one or the other over the course of that, that game. But, um, ultimately, ultimately a bit frustrating. Like I said, we needed four points, uh, we went away with two. So it's looking like it's not going to be for Cardiff this year. Um, but let's see where it actually does end up. You mentioned there's a couple of things I kind of want to ask you about. First of all, it's, it's obviously you're saying it's, it's not to be, but it's now more a case of as many points as possible to finish as high to 
for the rankings for the playoff spots. Because as you speak now, it's Cardiff v Coventry in the playoff quarterfinal. And I don't think if I was a Cardiff fan, I'd look forward to that. Um, so is it a case of I mean, there's two games against Sheffield left and Sheffield are in the same position. They want to try and finish as high as possible for very similar reasons. So as much as the titles now are out of the grasp of Cardiff, do you still think there's a lot to play for in terms of being able to finish as high to give themselves as good a chance? Or is it a case of let's get through the season with com- somehow, somewhere, there's a confidence to go, we can do it, we can make Nottingham for the final four. Where do you think, where do you think the temperature is on that one? Yeah, but I think you're right, definitely from the playoff point of view. And, and interestingly, in the after game speech from, uh, the interview, sorry, from Dupont in the second game, he mentioned about the playoffs coming up. And I think that's obviously where their thoughts lie now is, is getting that position. And, and obviously, like you said, two games against Sheffield will determine where we, where we ultimately finish on that. Uh, you don't think we're going to get second. I think that's Guildford's or, or Belfast's, um, depending on how that goes. But third is where we need to be aiming for that. And I just think, I think that is the focus for us now in, in doing it. Um, if we win those two games against Sheffield, I, I know it's, it's going to be ours, I, I think. Uh, unless Sheffield do get their act together and if they beat Belfast in the game they've got against them now, which is next weekend, I believe, uh, um, the games there, yeah, then they will be in the driving seat and they'll have the tails up. They've got a chance to go for it themselves. So all to, all to play for from their point of view. But for us, yeah, it's about getting that third place to avoid Condry because I think there's, from, especially the talk over the weekend amongst the fans of, of both Belfast and Cardiff, Coventry, I think, are going to worry a few, quite a few teams going to the playoffs. And you mentioned about the form of Bounds over the weekend. Um, and I've seen a lot of people say um, he's played well over the weekend, but Sunday he was more effective. Not saying he went on Saturday. Given a score when he came into Belfast, it's kind of stopped Whistle having many games. Do you reckon that actually come end of the season in the World Champs? A lot of people have talked of Whistle being a starter. Whistle have the advantage. Does Bounds now get the knocking? Now he's playing into some form. Uh, I think it could be the case, yeah, because, like you said, Whistle hasn't played since Best was come in, really. They they put him straight in, and, and that's been the number one chance, and, you know, he's he's an outstanding goalie, and why wouldn't you? Uh, but, yeah, Bounds is, and, and I think it's shown as well with his selection over the last sort of, really, three three weeks now, he's been the starter at Bounds. Um, and then look into him now to start games and, and, get, and get the wins, which is shown in his performances over, over the last weekend. Um, he did have a, I don't think he played badly in the first game. I, I just think just Belfast were, were, were on it and, and, and they, they really took the chance as well. But in that second game, just outstanding. Some of the saves he pulled off really sort of kept us in it. So yeah, I think end of season, I, I can easily see uh, Bounds now taking that starting that main position for GB. John Scott, do you have any questions on the doubleheader this weekend? Just gone. A um, couple of things for myself. That, that point you mentioned about Bounds, that's pretty much why I said a few weeks back, and, and I'm kind of glad it's kind of borne out that way because I do think, from a GB perspective and a Devils perspective, that Bounds should be number one. Um, it was looking for a little while like he was definitely falling behind Cozen and Whistle, as you say, was playing outstanding. You've got to go into GB now with whoever's playing. Uh, and obviously Bowers is on form. Whistle is obviously a little bit rusty. Um, one thing that did surprise me, which seems to be a regular thing, uh, Greg, obviously, obviously you were over there, 
It's Waller. Um, doesn't seem to be... OK, he's got a goal yesterday. From here and he was kind of not getting any ice time in the third period, which I don't understand how a, a guy as good as him, who skates as well as him, who's, who's, who chips in with goals, why he seems to so quite often lose his ice time towards the end of uh, big games. Is that the case? Is that true that he wasn't getting much ice time, yeah. especially in the, the first game? Yeah, first game he didn't really feature a great deal at all. Um, I'm not sure why, because he sort of was crying out for somebody like him who can get on. He always got the skill and the speed to to worry any sort of defence. And I think definitely in the in the second period of the second game, they, they shortened the bench up massively. And I, I, think, I don't know if it was from uh, trying to sort of see the see the period out and keep it at a three one as it was then uh, going into the third. I don't know why, but. Um, it's baffling why you wouldn't want somebody like that against a team like Belfast because they've got so much speed in their team, so much skill in their team. You, you, you've got to have somebody who's going to try and match that on the ice. Um, and it showed us in overtime, he, he won that penalty um, that ultimately led to us winning the game because as he made that you know, transition through the centre of the ice, you could see that people would have just, and they couldn't, first of all, they couldn't get to him. Secondly, is like if they do get to him, they're going to give something away, and he was just bearing down on it the whole time. So it just seems a strange one why. And it's not just this weekend. I think there was a weekend before as well. There was times where he didn't get on the ice, and there's obviously a reason behind why they're not doing it. But for for me, I can't see why. I, I, I don't yeah. know. It's bizarre because he's a guy that can stretch teams, and as you say, the pace. Yeah. If the guy spoke with a Canadian accent, maybe he would. It wouldn't happen. It just seems to be this mindset that some coaches have. Dupont isn't the first, won't be the last. If someone's British, then for whatever reason, they sometimes lose their time near you know, the end of the end of games. Other question, I'm not sure if you're going to tell me whether um, Elliot Bate was the biggest Devils goal scorer in Belfast this weekend then. Uh, I, yeah, I certainly think he took the uh, Star Man Award anyway from the weekend <laughs> from a Devils fan base. I'm sure his dad will be very proud. <laughs> I mean, um, Let's bring it back to the uh, the, the uh, on ice side of things. I've been a, I've made a few pops at Brody Dupont, um, a few jokes. He's an opposition coach. I don't know. I've never met the guy. I don't know anything about him. But uh, and if fan base have struggled with their tweets this year, uh, even though you're still, you know, challenging, probably not. But you know, you've had a, a okay season. If you listen and read tweets, it's all Sanford needs to be back, Cox needs to be back, or I would have Joey Martin back. But if you don't win anything, where does it go for this team and where does it go for the coach? Uh, what, what, what's your thoughts on Mr. DuPont? For, for, for me, um, and I've said this to a couple of people over the weekend as well, I'm, I'm sort of a bit on the fence as to how we see him going forward. And there's, and there's a couple of reasons for that. First of all, it took Lord until his third full season to to win the league. And, you know, he tinkered and sort of got it right in those first two. And we weren't far off in those first two seasons either. But it, it took him until a third full go for him to win that, that league title. And, and DuPont is in his first full season. He took over at the end of last, just going to the playoffs. Um so from that point of view, you've got to think, well, do you give this guy a chance? You know, how long is it going to take him to do that? Same with Keith. He he didn't win the league for his first, I think, two seasons. Um, so it, it, it's very rare that somebody just comes in and goes straight in and, and wins the league. Secondly, it's, 
because of the timing of his appointment last year, I'm not sure how much of this team is actually down to his choice. And were the most of those guys signed or re-signed before he took over with a view to how he wanted to play, what the style of play was going to, was going to be, and, and was that particularly what DuPont wants to do? And I think for next year going forward, we could see a lot different style. If he's kept on, and if he wants to stay, we could see a lot different style of play from, from Cardiff and something that's sort of moulded you know, with his complete sort of view and backing, whatever you want to call it, into how, the, how that wants to look like. It, I wouldn't be... I'm not saying it's going to be the end of the world if he's, you know, if, you know, if he's a coach next year. I'm going to back the guy. And I think it'll be a lot different to what it is this year uh, for, for, for the reasons I've just said. I think I know there's people out there who for whatever reason, think he's, you know, not the guy for us and he's he's not going to produce. I'm willing to sort of see how it goes. And next year would be the one for me where you should be judging him where he's had a full pre-season. He's signed who he wants to sign. He knows the direction he wants to go in. Uh, and we give that then to see how it goes next year. I think that's some very good points there made, Greg. Um, as for the imports that you've got, um, would you like to see a... a, a Big overall yourself personally, or you, I know you said Dupont might go a different way, but what what are your thoughts on the actual team you've got this year? And especially with uh, John asked you about question about Waller, oh, it's, it's it's a baffling one because um, I think yeah. I'd have him in the Sky Dome. David would definitely have him in Sheffield. So yeah, absolutely yeah. And you know, like I said, we've already talked about that with Waller. But as far as import wise, um, I think there's a lot of players that we won't see back personally next year um, and even though you're looking at our, our top at the moment which is Sanford, Cox and Martin I think you're looking at that to be the second line for us and you need to have a line above that, they need to be a secondary scoring and you need to have a line above that then which are the ones that are going to produce so like your, your Conway, Goodwin line in Belfast um, along those lines there and then underneath there I think that's where you see that the most changes because I, I, I can't see um, the likes of sort of Reed, Crandall, um, Britain, uh, those sort of guys coming back then next year. They, they are the ones who I think haven't over the course of a season produced the points that they perhaps should have being the sort of big earner guys on, on the team. Um, Brits, I don't think there's going to be much of a change at all. I think Waller will stay with us next year, but I think he will have a bigger role to play for us because, like I said, I think in a team that will be perhaps more built on speed, he's the sort of guy you want in, in a team that's going to be built around that. So I think going forward for next year, he's going to be a, more of a key player for us. No, it sounds like it's, um, again, great, great answers there, uh, Greg, and uh, could be some interesting times down in Cardiff Bay of uh, if they somehow defend the playoff uh, title or going for the next season. The next game I want to talk about, because it was quite significant for the eighth spot, in the playoffs was uh, Fife v Glasgow. Um, both had trips to England on the Saturday. Um, Glasgow in the furthest one. They was down in Guildford and lost in the last minute to, to Guildford. Uh, Fife losing to Manchester. And Glasgow, after the result with, I think it was three goals off the first three shots, ended up on a 5-1 win, now have a fair grasp on the last playoff spot and 
I'll start quick round table, but did anybody realistically November, December time think Glasgow had a cat and else chance of making the postseason? Absolutely not. No, not at all. And whilst we sort of uh, predicted that's maybe what our opinion was going to be that who would grab the eighth spot, I still wish it was five. Nothing against the people we know from Glasgow, but as an organisation, they deserve nothing from the season, and um, not that they'll get anything if they come eight. Anyway, they're going to get absolutely destroyed in Belfast or, or Guildford. Um, so we can extend the season by a week, but yeah, they've they've definitely done better than what we expected. But then does that come down to more Dundee have just gone MIA since November, and Fife have had about four imports playing half the season. And I think that's probably played into Glasgow's hands a little bit more. That uh, they're kind of there by default because there's been two other teams recently who've been poorer than them. Where where is the where's the fight in Fife? Guildford, Glasgow down in Guildford. The kit man tweeted that he arrived at Fife Ice Rink at 5 a.m. and had to set up and use their laundry room and do all this and do all that. And Glasgow go and blow Fife out of the water. Absolutely nothing for the fans. Are the players already on the the plane out of there? Probably, because we know what's we go what goes on in Fife. But to get blown out in a must win game like that is disgusting, and it's just typical Fife and Scottish team mentality this year. Um, I'll go on about Dundee after this section, but no, I mean fair play to Clan. I'm pissed off that they're even going to make the playoffs because they, they they don't deserve it and it shouldn't be a case and, and I don't mean that for the fan base I mean that for the team uh, and the owners um, but yeah joke yeah it's uh, and it's we, we said the last time I was on you then you asked us who do you think is going to make that eighth place and I, I went for clan then and it was more more because of how the other teams were doing rather than Clan with a better team at that point, and they just seem to be picking up points here and there. Whereas Fife, Dundee were just blowing games <laughs> for, for whatever reason. And it's, you know, it's like Scott just said, now okay, Fife had the, had the final to go and play for, and no one was expecting them to go and win that. They were playing Belfast over in Belfast, and you know they went over, give the best they could they could do in that game. But Saturday's game was one where whilst they probably weren't expected as to go and win that game, there was a good chance that they could have won that game if they had turned up and played to their best ability. But they just, for first period it was over. They weren't going to come back from that. And it's just, it's been sort of a, uh, sort of how their seasons have gone so far, really. It's a bit baffling. But they started off quite well and they've seen some good players, but it just hasn't, it just hasn't worked. I think if you are a Fife fan, you and I'm sure they already are, because you have to be asking some serious questions. Like you said, given Fife start, given that they've actually brought in imports to cover injury, which they normally don't, you know, they've on the perception side, they've actually looked like they've, they've got a toss this year. But everything's gone to hell. And a big game in their own barn, so it weren't like they were playing in Glasgow, and they've crapped the bed. And you kind of, you've got to ask, Given the, the the season that Glasgow had, how Fife forget Dundee for a second. We'll we'll bring that um, with Scott shortly with, because they played Coventry home and home. But how Fife have allowed Glasgow the chance to make that eighth spot theirs is criminal. 
It is absolutely criminal. There has there has to be questions asked because that is a team that should be given what happened in Glasgow. They should be playoffs. We should be talking about whether's you know Belfast going to five. But no, that's I can't see that happening. Um, and it is just yeah. I mean, I'm with you, Scott, in terms of the organisation. Yeah, they can get the bin. I can't, I'm a bit pissed off that they're going to get that. Oh, in the playoffs. For the fans who've had to put up with the crap they've had this year, I'm chuffed for that they'll potentially be in the postseason. I'm chuffed for them, but that's it. Um, and unless somehow they can perform a miracle against Belfast, it's, it's just an extra week. Um, but we'll go on to Dundee. Uh, like I said, they played Coventry home and home. Um, they're winning. Coventry, but then Coventry did the business in Dundee. Scott, want to give us a quick rundown on that one? Uh, I'm so glad that result happened when it did for Coventry because in no way, shape or form should the Dundee Stars be beating anyone in this league at the moment. Um, it was a night off of the blaze, a rocket up their arse. 4-0 down. 4-0 <laughs> down at home to Dundee. And it's a good job we're having an all right season because imagine if we were eighth. Uh, yeah. And then the Sunday night, I'm watching it and I'm just thinking, Dundee are fucking awful. They jump up on the play. They allow, I would say, well into double figure of man rushes. I've never seen any of their forwards back check. Uh, and Mason's like, oh, we're not doing enough. No, you no. They're not doing enough because they're not listening to you and they don't care. They've got this. Let's look at their best players, didn't they, this year? We know that that budget has seriously reduced when Pasha left. And with that budget reducing, those crowds have reduced. Uh, I think their two men and their dog were in attendance in Dundee on Sunday. It's not sustainable. If you look at their best players, it's probably Philippe Sange, Ben Soke and Elijah Bariga, all on minus, plus minus is minus, which is to be expected. But when they're putting up 50, 60 points against Scottish teams and not doing that well, they on the breakaway, they offer something. They jump up on the play, but they don't back check. And that's where they're losing games. I, I, I could not watch that every week. And the Dundee fans need to be saying to the organisation, if you're going to do this next year, we ain't going to sustain as a team because more people will drop and drop away. You can't pay hundreds and hundreds of pounds because Dundee season tickets aren't cheap. You can't pay to watch that. It was it was shocking. And it's interesting to say about the, the reduced budget because on the face of it, from what the part with the business, the off-buy stuff, yeah. things were on the up. Things were on the increase. They were yeah. bringing more revenues in, so... I think there's a couple of players that are on decent numbers. And we all, Bariga, Bariga and Sanj, uh, Bariga's first year pro, Sanj is second year pro, but he was with Dundee first. Decent players, but got no defensive game in them at all. Ben Soke, hard-working sentiment. And then you're talking guys that are on three goals, eight assists. Dundee used to be a tough place to go. And they could guarantee probably good few wins in that barn. Got nothing. It's, I'm worried. I'm worried about them. Really am. I just don't think it's sustainable the way they're going. And Jeff Mason looks lost. I wish we had this year's Dundee, last year's playoffs. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, Greg, you've seen Dundee a few times. It is, it is a worrying trend that kind of, like I say, off ice, things were looking up, started well, got a few wins early season. It just seems to have rapidly just gone downhill very, very quickly. 
It is. I mean, it's one of those things. You know, it started off slow, and it got it got worse from there. Um, it was just as we could describe it as, you know, they, and they, like I said, they have had a few, but no good results. Yeah, they, they've beaten Cardiff up there five uh, two. I think it was they, they beat us, and you said about uh, Bariga and that, and he was unplayable that night. But it's in no way consistent throughout the year. And the point that, that Scott made there about it is a sustainable, I think, for both Dundee and Fife. There's a real danger there with the, with the crowds that are dwindling. Um, you know, Ali's spoken about it in our group about the fact that they're struggling to get people into the door to watch. Uh, a, a game last night where it should have been sold out and absolutely rocking for Fife, but the interest just isn't there and it's all because of the all nice product and they need to be a bit careful about what's happening Dundee um, it, you know is, is Mason at fault it's his first year as a coach has he had the back in has he got the experience to help him there has he made the right decisions you know, probably not but it's, it's to see you know, if he gets another chance next year whether they go with him again and sort of if he gets it right but something needs to happen in quick to, to get him back on track there John We've mentioned a few times and we've given the praise when it's been due, but they've they've had nothing, and you've got to feel sorry for the fans that are still going because it's it's been very poor, and they've just kind of dragged the season out to the uh, to the last weekend, haven't they? Yeah, I think a lot of it stems, and again, it seems to be the case with a number of other teams. It's been the same ownership group for a long time up there. Um, I knew three players that went up there. Um, and some of the stories that they told me about how cheap Dundee tried to do things uh, in terms of what they do or don't supply the players. And I think they kind of limped through season after season. Maybe in the past they overachieved, particularly last year. As you say, they beat Sheffield back-to-back over four games, if from memory, I think it could have been. It was, it was certainly, I think, from memory, four games with a backup goalie, if I remember as well. Um, and it just doesn't seem to be like, it's taken too serious. It's I can say things, but obviously I guess if I do say certain things, there's always going to be a, a chance of liable being thrown my way and our way collectively. So I maybe a bit, bit careful what I say. But I just, I just, I, I'm not convinced that's an organisation that really is is set up to be an elite league hockey team. I think that in an ideal scenario, unless there was more money invested into that club. They're better off stepping down, which we don't want obviously anyone stepping down. We need all the teams we can get. But I think if they went and played in the Scottish League and they're doing like Edinburgh doing, get a couple hundred fans a week, they'd probably be fine. But I, and, and so there's a mindset shift there, um, and a bit more money's invested and people are treated better. Because at the end of the day, it's no coincidence of season after season generally, they just limp away and they barely make the playoffs. And they've been around a long time now. And a bit like Glasgow, they're never really on the fringe of doing anything. And they start every season quite well in terms of their tough team to play, as Greg said. Cardiff have historically dropped points up there, especially on Wednesday nights uh, when there's nobody there from the way following. But you just think, what's the point? Because we've known since probably pre-Christmas that Dundee weren't going to make the playoffs. And it must be so sad for the fans when you're watching week after week after week. You've committed your money up front. You paid out X amount of money in advance to watch that crap. One of our good mates in the group... um, He's just been missing for months, to be fair. I think hockey's just broken him. Um, and he's a passionate Stars fan, and he's not interested. And it's, it's kind of bizarre, because over the years, they've forced fans away. I think they're the second or third supporters kind of um, club since I've 
known Dundee and Dundee fans, and they just seem to kind of get people on board. They piss them off, they walk away. Someone else comes in, and then they get pissed off and walk away as well. And it takes a lot to really make fans leave, and especially committed fans. And I think that there's deep problems in Dundee, um, which I don't see changing anytime soon, which is a shame because I love going to Dundee. It's one of my favourite places to go to. I genuinely love going to Dundee. It's a good little rink. Food's amazing. I think I've never seen the team lose in Dundee, ironically, as well, about 11 or 12 trips. So it's generally been happy, happy memories in Dundee, but must be honest, I'm not in any rush to go up there anytime soon and see a game with 400 fans in your rink. No, no, thank you. I haven't been for a while, but it is been, it's a cracking little rink. Um, I feel about it. I've got my own good stories from there over the years. I'll end Dundee on this one thing. If I'm Mason, if he's still somehow got a job next year, I take the punt and go, Priest, you're my starter. If every team can go, do you know what? We've got a guy that actually is decent, won games, pressure situation last season, allows him to have imports away from thing, away from the goal position. Go with that. He could be the new Ben Bounds. Absolutely. Like, like Hall took the punt on him. His first time there you go. So if, and I said that on Wednesday when they played Sheffield. I said, you know what? I go with him to the start next year. Why not? I think he's in that. He's in a crack at that. It's a great point. I was literally saying to someone the other day, I can't remember who it was. It might have been one of the boys, I can't remember. But I said he's almost a victim um, of not being the number one in Dundee. They can't get in a GB team. He's definitely good enough to be in the top three British goalies in that squad. Um, you've seen him yourself, proven to beat Sheffield. And I agree, they're not going to win anything anyway. They're borderline going to make playoffs. Give the guy a chance. Give the guy a chance. Extra import skater. You'll pay £25 a week for, probably, to be fair. But just give him a go. And I think that GB will benefit. And that is, I suppose, the only thing I, I could say that hopefully might make Dundee worth watching next year if they give a British goalie a chance. And I think that's a great shout, mate. No, well, let's hope so. Greg, do you want to say anything else? Sorry? Sorry, I was just going to say, I, funny enough, Phil, he hasn't played that many games, but four of the games he has played over the last couple of years have been against Cardiff. And in all four of those games, he's come out of those with his head held high. He's... Uh, he's kept the scoreline respectable, and in some cases, no, he's just, he could have won the game. He's been outstanding, so yeah, absolutely, he needs a, a shot somewhere to get some more ice time because uh, he, he he's a top goalie. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, we had him at the place, and he came in and played some good games. But then there's an, also another guy called in Jordan Headley that is playing in MK, and who's going to take that chance on him? I, he can't do it because. Of their passport, and in the in the world where we've learnt this year that you need two goalies, you've got to you get that brick goalie in and work them on a tandem. Take the chance, boys. Especially the lower lower teams. There's Headley and there's Priest. If you work them with an import goalie, do it. You, because you... the days of one starting netminder, and I know Sheffield are riding Greenfield like how this year, but there's the days of one starting netminder is over. I'm just letting the pause because I try to for your point. But I absolutely 100% agree. It's it's a question that actually needs a bit more of a look in terms of the British goalies and the opportunities they're getting. And I know some teams are have no interest or the focus is not on the development but actually getting the wins. But, yeah, Headley. I mean, I watched him a couple of weeks ago when he played for Milton Keynes up in Sheffield against the Seal Dogs. And 
it's a miss, unfortunately. But I've seen him play and he's played well. So another goal with that, given a, a decent chance at the top level with a better defence. Exactly what you're saying, Scott. But no, there's there's two goals that hopefully we'll get some better shots soon. I'll quickly go on. Um, I'm not going to talk about the, the Sheffield game because that was flat as hell. Um, it was a proper retro game because we stuffed them and they left early, their fans. But I will say the Sheffield-Guilford game. We lost, but I fucking enjoyed it. And I've not left there for a while. I said this to the to, to we were leaving. I've not left there when we've lost. And I just went, you know what? I loved it. I enjoyed it. Guildford was good. Sheffield never gave up. It was feisty. It was niggly. The referees allowed a lot to go. There were some that you can go, that could be called, should be called, but they weren't. They was, for me, consistent of both sides not calling stuff. Um, some of the calls at the end was individual errors from Sheffield, but couldn't fault the effort from both sides. Both goalies made saves that should be on the saves of the week. Um, I just loved it. And, yeah, uh, again, we lost against Guildford at home. But Petgrave had a, a had a great weekend and then made a mistake at the end, sadly. Um, you know, wrong word built in a day. Um, but, no, I just actually enjoyed it. Nearly seven and a half thousand. Yes, it was another game that was on the five-stroke, eight-pound ticket, but you still need to sell them. Um, and that, I think that had, you had like a, a 13,000, 14,000 across both games at Sheffield, which is something not to be sniffed at. Um, we'll go on to Nottingham, because I think we're going to give him some love, some character building, some may say. And I think it's a topic that all four of us will enjoy to talk about. Scott. Would you like to lead us off on this one? Well, you know, you know how much I love the Nottingham Panthers, uh, but they're in disarray. Uh, there was a tweet made by uh, Chris Gadsby this weekend. Uh, lowest elite league finished, their lowest goals, the furthest gap to the title winners in their history. And then I thought, well, hold on a minute. We know Nottingham are perennial losers. Let's have a look. Their last league title was 12-13. Their last title before that was 1956. So two league titles in what will be 67 years. They've not won a trophy since 16-17, which will win the Continental Cup. And fair play for doing that, you know, because that's not easy. But that was a good, good while ago. And you look at their team. And you look at the managers, the coaches they've had recently. Let's go back to 12-13 when they won the league. They won the the cup. What a team that was. Jordan Fox, a proper captain. David Ling, Mr. Silky Hands himself. Bruce Graham enjoyed himself. And then you look at the Brits they had. Lakovic scoring goals. David Clark scoring goals. Lapine and Beckett on the back end. Like, just looking after them. They were an absolute force. It was the worst season I've ever watched ice hockey. I fucking hated watching them dominate. But I also realised I've just watched a very good team. Now, where are they? The coaches have had Sherman as for a year. Wallace was there for three years. Failing. In the 20, what were we in? 03, 04. So the 20 years of the playoffs. Yeah, they've won it five times, but they host it every fucking year. And they still fail They've won Challenge Cups. No trophy. I, I, I just 
do not get what what their end game is now because the the crowds are dwindling. Uh, Notts County are doing really well in the National League. They've, they've got the fans back. Nottingham Forest are in the Premiership. They're going to lose fans from other, other areas. They've got no Brits. Obviously, Ferrara it hasn't worked for them. Whatever. I, I can't say. I've not seen them use Ferrara, and I know what sort of player he is. But to, you've lost Betteridge. You've lost Tetlow. They've not seen, oh, I want to stay in Nottingham. They're just not doing anything. Corey Nielsen, have you ever seen such a dejected coach when they're talking? This guy loves Nottingham. He hates his players because they signed Nottingham players, didn't they? They just signed guys that just want to look after themselves. It's like the old Jake Galbraith days where they just skate around. Hammond was always going to be that. You only have to speak to coaches from around the league to know what these sort of players are like. And they're not just not doing anything. And two league titles... 67 years they're just losers really aren't they sorry and I enjoyed that but where 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 did Nottingham go it's uh, I, I wasn't sure if you enjoyed it there Scott I, I think he was on the fence a bit too much with that one uh, what do you reckon John very much needs to get rid of the splinters with that one weren't it let's be honest I'm not exactly showing myself and coming forward with my, with my opinions I think Scott even made me wince a little bit there to be honest I was like oh my goodness me to be honest with you, ironically, I actually wrote a lot of things down, talking about Nottingham, and uh, Mr. Finley has gone and stolen lots of my, my points, actually, so, well done, Scott, you make me look a bit of a dick now, but, you know, fair play, you did make some good points. Um, I think that the problem is with Nottingham, it's a losing culture they've created, it's a losing mentality. As Scott said, they've won two league titles in 60-odd years. Even I'm only young enough to see one of them. Do you know what I mean? They, they, the, the first one they won was before even I was born. Says it all. And yet, weirdly, as a young boy watching Cardiff, there was a supposed Nottingham rivalry. They were always there or thereabouts. But they just seemed to settle for second, third, fourth best. And I don't know how they do it. And I don't know how the fans put up with it because they've probably got the best tools at their disposal in the league. If you think about location of where the arena is, right in the middle of town. Absolutely perfect. I think any team would kill for that sort of uh, location of, of the facility. They've got the best, well, one of the best. I think it's probably the third best arena in the league. They've got probably less travel than a lot of teams. They've got everything geared there to make that a successful organisation. They seem to get good Brits. Maybe they need to bring back through the... The, the guys that went abroad, I personally would rather they didn't. I'd, I'd like the guys to stay abroad. You like to Pellini, Betteridge, Tetlo. Keep staying abroad, boys, play as long as you can. Get as many experiences as you can. And let's, hopefully not them stay crap for a long time. But I don't understand how... Okay, yeah, again, it's so a good point about the football. Both teams in the city are doing very well. They have two football teams city. Population-wise, they're not huge. You play with danger, Nottingham. If you keep pissing off those people, they haven't got unlimited money to spend on luxuries. Because let's be honest, hockey is a luxury for a lot of people. We all know the webcasts are getting more expensive. We know the tickets are getting more expensive. And if you keep that losing mentality as an organisation, you're going to lose generations of fans. And it's about time that club had a proper strip down. Neil Black gets his head out of his ass and does what is right for that team. Bring the players in that will form some kind of 
Nottingham identity. Not just guys are here for one season, maybe six months, three months, and they're going to get a paycheck and they're going to go. You need to build a, a good team. Get four or five, six, seven guys that make that their home for the next three or four seasons. Get Nottingham in their bloods. Get Nottingham as part of their own identity and, and get them to love them. Because Corey Nielsen was one of those. The coach, he was Nottingham through and through. You need four or five guys like him to buy into something, build around them, get some good Brits in, and then they're ready to roll. They really are. But it's just, if you said to any, well, if, if, if one of us said to start the season, they're going to be coming in potentially seventh, we would have laughed. With the recruitment they made over the summer, like Ferrara, they've made Ferrara, the best Brit, to an absolute fourth-line plug. That's an impressive thing to do for a guy that was literally tearing it for three or four years. They've made the guy a bad player. How? It's just, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I could sit here all night, like with Scott, and just destroy them, but I don't know. I, I'm just baffled by Nottingham Panthers, just put it that way. Absolute enigma. I like to call them more the gift that keeps on giving. But I actually agree with one of the points you made there about their identity and that core. Because you look at Sheffield when when they was winning a lot of stuff. You look at Cardiff. You look at Belfast. And on the years that Coventry were in, you knew their core team. And predominantly, it was the Brits that were controlling the core. And like I said, I think we've said it before, that Nottingham just don't have that identity, that core that gives them some of that says we're the Panthers um, but you know I mean it's, I say that joke tongue in cheek but they, they have nothing to go this is our team this is who we are screw you all we're going to do stuff we're going to win stuff they have nothing there and like I say they have the tools at their disposal Greg someone who also enjoys the, the, the plight of the Panthers at 7th you know apart from the lack of identity where, you know where's it, where's it going wrong I mean, for us, it's more going right. But where, where, to be kind, yeah. fair, and, and balanced to, to any of the Nottingham listeners, where's it going wrong from? It, it's, yes, I mean, most of it's been said, but it is the fact that they've just recruited a team of individuals that don't blend in any way, in any sort of system. I mean, they've tried two coaches with them this year. Uh, it wasn't the team that Graham said that they'd recruited in the first place because they haven't done anything that he said at the start of the season. Um, and Corey's come in, and he hasn't been able to get a tune out of him either. So it's all down to those to, to those players. And you, and as a Panthers fan, you'd want to hope that they are all on one-year deals, because if they've given any of those multi-year deals and they've got to come back next year, then I feel sorry for him. Um, but then, it, I, I mean, will Corey want to come back next year? He's only there till the end of the year, as far as I'm aware, isn't he? Uh, when he when he come in, so if if that's the case, is he is he going to want to put himself? Which through what is going to be or what's going to have to be uh, a complete rebuild uh, because he's got to just sort of take that team from scratch again to get him anywhere near challenging. Um, I don't know if on, on John's point he said no, they've accepted to be sort of second, third, fourth best wherever it is. Probably the cups they won over the years sort of masked that for a while when they were winning trophies or playoffs, Challenge Cups, uh, Intercontinental Cups. Uh, but that hasn't happened now since they in seventeen. So. No, people are obviously had enough of that. Uh, another point I was looking, looking at this: their scorers, Hammond, is their top scorer so far this year on 34 points. When you look, when you look at the list of scorers, that's fourth third on the list of top scorers. That is awful. Um, you know, for a club of that size, that that is awful. Uh, 
it's, it's you know it's got to be a complete rebuild next year. There's nothing much else you can say really. You, you talk about rebuilds, don't you? It's with the Nottingham Panthers, they, they've been rebuilding for years now. I've seen a stat earlier. Their only winning record over the teams this year is Cardiff because they beat them at home. Well, that's just a hoodoo. And Dundee and, and Glasgow. Otherwise, they're on a losing skit to everyone. But lads, why why are the Nottingham Panthers unable to keep a core of Brits? Like Lakovic, for me, they ruined. And not in the sense that I still think he's a very good player. But that guy was scoring goals for fun many years ago. When they made him into a, a defensive forward, then they didn't really need to. Obviously, Clark was a, a mainstay for them. And I get that Betteridge and Tetlow have gone on to Europe, and that's great for them. But they should be able to poach Brits from other teams, and they don't do it. Why? Well, they generally have over the years. I mean, let's be honest with you. They had Matthew Myers from Cardiff, Stevie Lee. They stole from Hull. Uh, Marty Clarkey was a Peterborough boy. Um, it, it is bizarre. I, I'm surprised how they just don't seem to be able to generate their own, really, as well. Like, even Betteridge came from Swindon, if I remember, as well. They're, a team has been around a long time. The rink has been there a long time. As a youngster, when I used to watch Nottingham, they'd have five, six, seven, eight, nine local lads playing in a team. And it doesn't seem to be that they're able to, to do that. They've got a, a double ice pad, one of the only... Cities in the UK that's got that luxury of having a, a second pad next door. But then, do they maybe keep players for too long, though, as well, perhaps, maybe? Do they sort of run them sort of beyond their shelf life? I don't know. But then, equally, if you think back, trying to be a little bit objective, not Robert Farmer. Robert Farmer was a huge loss. Um, love him or hate him, he scored a lot of points for Nottingham. He, he did against Cardiff for many, many years. Uh, it's a bit of a bizarre one. And obviously, the lost Pellini, as you say, Betteridge. Uh, Tetlo and not really replace them. But then that being said, the one I will say about Nottingham, I'm well impressed with their young kids. Literally, Hazeldine and, and Hopkins. I've seen a few Nottingham games recently, and they're brilliant. They get a lot of ice time as well. They're very quick, not scared to put themselves out a little bit. Whether or not that'll be a, a long-term thing, whether they'll stay in Nottingham and, and then build a career like the likes of Clark have done in the past, but they are two kids that I didn't think a lot of yeah, in the past. Didn't really know much about them, to be honest. But at the last few times I've seen them, they may be something to look forward to in the future. But again, if they're playing with crap imports alongside them, they're not going to develop at the right rate anyway. So, yeah, bit of a bizarre one. Maybe they need to go into the market and steal a few Brits next summer. Um, and well, they did, didn't they? They did Ferrara, and then as you say, they've made him a player that Sheffield got over 10, 11 years ago, wherever it was, when they didn't see any future in him. But yet, at Coventry, Ferrara was lights out. Yeah. It's weird. Well, what I meant was, is they, they don't keep, they're not keeping them. Most, most, most clubs have a brick core, and you wouldn't say that Nottingham have a brick core anymore. And Stevie Lee was, he went off Eight. to Guildford probably for a little payday. And then came back. You know, it's just there doesn't seem to be a lot of love, and even on the world, the world of social media, which is a bad place, you don't see many Nottingham fans on Twitter anymore, do you? you don't, it just seems a bit dead. I think they've been brown beating if I'm honest with you, but I, I they have the facilities. You know, it's this one of two places with a twin pad facility, and they should, and they also have the link up, and they have teams in every rung of the ladder of British hockey. So there should be. I think it's a it's a a theme that goes across the whole of the UK where there's just 
a lack of working together to just say, do you know what, instead of if we can't poach them, let's get the next generation in. The only thing I'll say kind of going against that is if they're going to have a coach that's going to give them the time, the minutes, they've got it with Corey Nielsen. Because he'll see the bigger plans with his involvement in the national team. So he'll give them the chance. He already has done, John said. And I think if they will keep him to another couple of years and hopefully they, from within, I think they have, they could have that chance of getting a core that's not just a British core, but a Nottingham core. And I think that a lot, similar to Sheffield, there's, there's a more of an appreciation, or maybe even Cardiff as well. There's more of an appreciation when it's one of your own on the shirt. It's not, you know, you, you respect the players if they put the, the shift in. You respect the, the British players if they come from X, Y, Z. Obviously, Sheffield had some from Cardiff and Manchester. But you get a local lad going top shelf. The buzz from that. Same with Nottingham, same with Cardiff. Same with Fair, same with everybody. But I think there's some teams that have that a bit more. And Nottingham's one of them. So if they could do that in time, they'll have that. But I, I think there's there's a few other things that need to be addressed. It's giving us some love. Do you need like fast forward five years and get uh, Nielsen Jr., maybe Clark Jr., all the offspring of the Nottingham legends, maybe play in the next generation of Clarks I, I'm and Nielsen's? I'm happy to see Clark Jr. play against us. I'm just about getting over the constant goal Nottingham scored Clark against Sheffield. <laughs> yeah, I've done that for some time. If he comes up and play elsewhere and score goals, great. I don't want to see it against Sheffield because I used to be his father. But no, you're right. Um, but I think, and, and Greg, you, you could probably mention it as well. It's, it's, if, they, if they've got the tools to be able to have that absolute thing that gives them the absolute identity, and not just the British identity, a Nottingham identity, which you swap Nottingham with any other team, but that just means more to the fan base. Yeah, they absolutely have. It's, it's all they're waiting to go, basically, and it just needs somebody to put it right. And, and what I'm thinking of, and, and Scott posed the question about, is you don't know sort of how players have been sort of treated or looked after with previous GMs or setups over the years, and that could have had some sort of influence on why these people haven't stayed around. This is Pasha's first year in, in doing Nottingham, and, and that role in Nottingham, and that could be sort of the start of the turning point. No, he's... He's gone in this year, hasn't gone to plan. If he can keep all the Nielsen and they work together next year, could that be the start of that process of, of turning that around and, and getting that core group together? Who knows? But, you know, that, for me, that could be part of the reason as well. But they actually brought a guy in, I thought, would be exactly that, a British guy they poached, uh, Craig Moore. Love the guy. As a human being, love the guy. I know he's had a few unlucky injuries and that obviously is bound to have held him back a teeny bit but I think I said last summer on Twitter that I, he's the kind of guy I could think I could see being there for seven, eight, nine years even you know be another Mark Richardson almost a stalwart of that team um, and just give him a bit of time give him a season or two to sort of you know get a bit more used to the, the city and how Nottingham do things and then maybe he'll be there for a long long time he got binned after a few months. I couldn't believe it. And now the poor guy's back in Dundee. No one deserves that. But that, on, on paper, was a good signing, I thought. A guy that is, is knocking on the door of the GB national team, well, had been. Uh, and then, for whatever reason, I'm not party to the reasons why, but he's been let go. But a British defenseman that can put up good minutes, like he does, they don't go on trees. Um, and the first chance they could sort of tap out and get rid of him, they did it which hopefully they'll come to regret one day in the future. I think they will do, uh, and time will tell if Nottingham are able to sort it out. But 
I think it's fair to say that we'll enjoy the meltdown whilst it lasts. Next, I want to talk about Adam Keefe and his little escapade on Sunday. Um, he he wasn't happy with the call, uh, the overtime call that led to Cardiff winning, and he wanted to make sure that the door could shut. Was it seven or eight times? Um, gents, um, not the first time that he's been vocal physically or verbally on the bench. Is this passion that we want to see, or is it too much passion? Is it enough? Is it, is it something that fans can get behind, or is it a bit too much? Round the table. Scott? I don't care. I wasn't affected by it. Um, I like closing the gate on the podcast, so if he wants to close gates, he can crack on closing them. It didn't affect anyone. It might have hurt the hinges of... Uh, yes, he was probably shouting at the ref, but he was letting he was letting some steam out, and the Belfast fans are going to go, "Oh, it's passionate Keith." They're going to they're going to stick up for Keith because he's their coach. But if it was another coach, they would have slammed him. So that's all the teams are doing. If it's not your coach, you're going to take piss. It it didn't bother me in the slightest. I agree. At the end of the day, sport is an emotional thing. We've all lost our shit when teams have um, lost and we've thrown things and stamped on things. Well, I definitely have, and I'll own that myself. If if you're a fan and you're a senior coach react like that, this, this is a guy, let's be honest with you, he knows he's going to be a league title winner in a week, two weeks' time, wherever it's going to be. But he's still got that much passion to kick off about a point that's not in the grand scheme of things going to cost his team. You look to, to like the other side of the bench he's, he's facing, Dupont looks... Completely emotionless. He looks like he doesn't have a clue what to do in any scenario. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, it's it's just a, a bit of passion, whatever you want to call it, and no one was hurt. People can take the mick all they want, but if you're a fan and stands and your coach is kicking off like that, personally, I would prefer to see that than some guy just there holding his clipboard and doing nothing with it, or his hands in his pockets and looking lost. Yeah, no big deal for me. Yeah, I actually did, I actually missed it last night. I didn't I didn't see it till after I saw it on Twitter. There's too many celebrating. Um, but yeah, you know, it's it's just one of the things coaches do, doesn't they? Tomo's done it over the years. He's thrown sticks round. Sherman has had a, a wobble in Nottingham when he was over there. He threw sticks on the ice or whatever it was. Or Lord's done it. It it, it, it happens. Um, and and as you know, as we've said, if it's your own coach, great. Well done. If it's not your coach, you, you take the piss, and that's how it goes. Um, but I, I, I thought best coach was more of a uh, OTT one than than uh, sort of keeps with the way he reacted to sort of uh, the loss because I think he knew it was down to him that why 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 you know the public play came about. So that's why he was pissed off and smashed his stick up and stormed off. Um, but I don't know. I, I don't know if he will get a ban for it. I know he's, this is the second occasion of this year to have potentially been in trouble for, for his antics on the bench, but I, I don't know. Personally, I don't think he will. I wouldn't be surprised if he's not on the bench on Friday against Sheffield. He'll be a class to repeat offender if Dobbs want to get involved. So the actual thing, I love the pantomime element of it. And it felt like it were a, a pantomime. It added to the show. Um, like say, it didn't hurt anybody. Uh, Best goals was a very tame goalie meltdown. I felt like it was a bit of a... He, he realises he's put his team in a position where they've lost a point. Um, 
I'm with John in that respect. It kind of shows that they're still, you know, they've all but done it and they still care. So that element I like. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it. It was, it was, it's, it's given us something to laugh at. There's been some cracking videos done and uh, some good music put uh, to it. Um, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if Dops wanted to kind of say you're a feet offender. So, but yeah, when, when, when Tomo's uh, launch sticks and, uh, Others have it. It's not. I think what we have sometimes we have that generation of coaches. I think Keith's one of the last ones where they'll get the passionate ones, and then you've probably got Dupont that's calm, composed, but bland. And I think for me, coaching has to have some element of passion because it has to. And sometimes you can go well if you're kicking off all the time, it runs onto the bench. But sometimes you've got to let rip or do something to distract from your team and. I have no problem with that. Um, in fact, you know what? If, if Keith did that in Sheffield, I'd applaud it. I don't like. I would have. I would have seriously applauded it. I know everyone would have booed it, but I'd have applauded it. But never mind. We'll, we'll, we'll time will tell if Dots want to get involved in that one. Uh, last one I've got. Um, the only week announced a fan survey this week or very recently. Uh, working alongside Price Waterhouse Cooper, uh, gaining the. Uh, Views of the fans. Uh, over, I think over five, six thousand fans have actually took part. Um, John, how, how much are the, are the league going to get? Uh, and what, is it, what could potentially you know, be able to develop from this fan um, survey? Hmm. Speaking from my own experience, um, I hear an echo, whatever that is. Um, I did attempt to do it. And I got, I think, maybe second or third page, and my attention span does not allow me to sit there filling in crap which is not related to me watching ice hockey. I didn't mind putting in things like how far away my rink is, where I watch games, if it's on webcast or whatever. But it starts talking about all these other like things, which I'm sure they've got a reason for doing it, and I'm sure there's a, all these algorithms they're going to sort of, you know, use to sort of collate all the data and stuff. But if you want to get constructive feedback and, and good opinions, don't just talk ask crap questions that are not relevant to you being a hockey fan. And I just thought it was a little bit too in-depth personally for me, and I just literally gave up after, I said, a few pages. Um, so I'm probably not the best person to start with. We haven't really got much of a positive thing to say about it. I like the fact they're trying to do things, and if it's for the betterment of the fans and the league, all for it. But uh, my interest lasted for maybe 45 seconds, and I tapped out. So I'm probably the, the worst person to ask. But, sorry. Yeah, it was, it was it was a bit of a uh, bit of funny. I did manage to complete mine. Uh, I did fill it in, but yeah, there was a lot of questions on there not related to hockey at all. Um, and I think the fact that they've only had was it five six thousand replies. When you look at the um, attendance around the league each week, it's not a great sort of, sort of figure really. Um, and I'm not sure if they would have been better off for each club. To have done it individually because I think there's a lot of tailoring that could have been done with the questions because each club's going to have its own different issues about what the fans want. Um, Sheffield's will be different to Dundee's, which will be different to Nottingham's, different to Cardiff's. You know, one size I don't think really fits all. Um, so I'm, so, so I'm not sure if that would be the better way to go about it. Um, it yeah, it's a bit of a something and nothing thing, really. I'm glad that they've done something. And it's good that they're trying to get some feedback from the fans about changes that could be made and things like that. But 
do you really think if a thousand people say from Sheffield that they don't want Sweet Caroline played, it's going to happen? <laughs> it, it's not. It's, they're going to keep on playing it. Um, it's you know, so some things are never going to change. So yeah, it's, it's good idea. Could have been done better for me. What way do you think I'm going to go with this one? I I am in Mr. Williams' camp. I started doing it. Why do you want to know what Chubb would do? Why do you want to know anything about my life? What I want the Elite League to do is respond to me and others that have asked them if they're having a fans forum at the playoffs this year because there's a lot goes wrong in this league. Having a little fan survey, which was poorly attended, considering we have a lot more fans in this league than that. Because hockey fans jump on stuff. We all do. We all like, oh, we like to do stuff for our club. We've always been that because we are a minority support. We will do anything we can to help this league. But then we're jumping up going, oh, it's 4,000 on the first day. Then what? A couple of thousand more. What did they get from it? Nothing. Do the fans forum. Ask the fans the real questions on what they want to do and how to improve this league. And answer the question, are we up in the import limit? And that sort of thing. Because that's what's been rumoured about. Let's get to the, the, the nitty gritty and not just the fancy top four accountants that little survey that had a nice little sponsorship wasn't for me I managed to uh, to complete it and I won't lie I think I did even mention a lack of Sweet Caroline would be beneficial uh, for the game uh, but yeah I, I, they do a number where you thought why what benefit is this are they trying to work out the demographic of ho- fan, hockey fans nowadays I don't know you know is it where they can find where the money is? I don't, I don't know. It's There was a lot that baffled me. But 10 out of 10 for trying to get the information. What if, whether the information was there they needed to get, I don't know. But I suppose it's better than doing nothing and just uh, telling the fans, you just keep coming along, give us your money um, and go from there. It's, uh, yeah, baffling one, that one. But... Um, like we mentioned at the beginning of the show, uh, we've had a lot of people, um, especially over the last week, uh, listen to us episode. We got, uh, you know, some shouts out to the, um, the 4,000 and counting guys, uh, even the NIHL fan, uh, to, uh, podcast, Banner on the Wall, uh, Anthony, um, good friend of mine, got some good stories about him, uh, Steal the Puck, um, thank you for listening. But we've got one question which I kind of want to throw in, uh, and in particular after a few comments over the weekend, and it was one that was sent to us, we have a number of initiatives over the season. We have uh, Pride Week. Uh, we have the Remembrance one. Should we expand that to mental health? And should the league go with uh, like they do with the other ones and have a set games that promotes and has the conversation about the benefit of a good mental health? I'm going to throw a very open table. Um, Greg, would you like to start on that one, mate? Yeah, no problem. Um, it's, it goes along the lines with the other days that they do. And if you're going to do something around mental health, and you know you have like the Bell Let's Talk that comes out once a year, it's looked at you know, for that one day, and then it's gone. And it needs to be continued 
you know, throughout the season, really. Um, if we look at things, I think, I'm not sure if they still do it, but the championship uh, are constantly sort of sponsored by the Mind Charity. They used to have it on their shirts. Uh, it was promoted all the way through. It's a constant reminder that it's there. And it would be good if they did something along those lines, um, whether it was a particular... Uh, mental health charity, whether it was to do with autism, uh, whatever it is you want to you want to pick around that, but it's it, it's the consistency of the message which I think it needs, they need to get right. It's okay, you know, say we're going to have this night and we're going to do something for it, whatever it is, but continue that. Give give links to organisations that can help with, with, with whatever it is that the people may be suffering with. Um, you know, offer that advice to people. Don't just use it as an excuse to sell shirts. Just you know, give a meaning behind it and, and carry that forward. That that that's sort of the way I I, I see it going. Yeah, I mean, after last week with the whole uh, the banning in Sheffield, there was a a, a comment made on Inferno about uh, Mr. Keith looks like looks like he has autism. Now, what does that mean? Um, I was baffled by it, but in a way, I'm glad the comment was made because the hockey Twitter United today, and you learn a lot about people that you may not know anything about. Um, Nicole Fox, I think she said a picture of a son and how his life is, and I thought beautiful. Uh, it was great. Um, Mad JT in Belfast, he, he said he he has autism. So I just thought it was, it was uh, from a shitty comment by a fan who had a nameless account, who know, who apparently is a bit of a troublemaker, and everyone united. And I think it was a great step in everything that's gone over the last few weeks. It might have been a positive to take out a negative, and hopefully the league can look at this and encourage more fans, because as I always say, we're a minority sport, and uh, routine and enjoyment for everyone. I'm, I'm not going to get on my soapbox again, but I just thought... Take a negative, and we we made it a positive today. So hockey Twitter today, well done. And that's a rarity you can say about this season. And what was best built that one because it was a collective gets get fucked on that message. And I've got to say now, the Inferno, don't cry about reporting it. That what happened today was one hundred percent spot on by everybody. You know, we mentioned that we don't want pylons. That deserved the pylon. It got what it deserved, and well done everybody. Um, John. What do you reckon, mate? Not used that for a good four or five years, maybe longer, to be honest with you. It was once upon a time a place where you'd kind of go and have some good debates. Um, I think a blind eye has been turned over the years to a lot of people behaving in, in not the best manner. And I think when your first thought as the person running the account is, well, you should have just reported it on the, on the post rather than making it more accessible on Twitter, that's bullshit. You don't hide issues. You deal with them head on. For me, I think it's at the point now where, whether it be forums in, in, in our league, whether it be Devils, Belfast, Chip, or whatever, I think it needs to be a, a time where you now need to be not allowed to be anonymous. You know, I think it should be almost a case of now, if you send them to a forum, I know it's maybe a bit of an additional administration to do it, but let's stop all this faceless bullshit. Let's just, people verify themselves, whether it be a face, facial ID in terms of a passport or, uh, whatever, driving license, and I know there's maybe data protection, this, that, and the other, 
But if you're going to allow people to go onto your forums and then post wherever they like with no accountability, that's not on. I think it's, if you're not going to please it 24-7 and you're not going to get people off there that do a spouting crap like this, take the ownership yourself and make it where if you want to sort of to a, be a, a regular poster, you agree to certain rules. And if you do say crap, like you say things which offend other people, again, back to the mental health points. If you're, you're calling people out or you're calling groups of people out, who, who the hell are you to, 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 you know, to do that? And I think whether it be the Inferno or the forums as well, just take a bit of ownership for yourself. Stop people being allowed to post crap on there that can offend other people. It's not about being snowflakes, blah, blah, blah. Yes. That was a crass comment today. A crass comment. I don't know the guy. Well, girl, I, I don't know who the person is. I assume I don't know the person. But if I do know you, can have a word with me, mate, the big tough guy, still on this kind of crap on a faceless account. Because you're absolute idiots. No time for it. And that's the thing. I, I think it says, says a lot as well that when he was called out um, on, the, on the Inferno afterwards, his reaction to it was, I don't give a shit. Right, you know, you know, he, he wasn't apologetic in any way for what he had said, you know, initially. And you know, it's, it's, it, where do people get off on that? What's their thoughts go through the head that they actually think that that's an acceptable thing to put out onto a public forum? Uh, and I agree with you, John. You know, I, I have an autistic son. Um, he's 24 now. He was diagnosed when he was two, so I've had a whole of his lifetime that we've known about and managed it. Anybody wants to come and speak to me about it and what it entails and, and, and how an autistic person live goes and what it means to them, what certain things mean to them and how, how they react to things, how they deal with things. Give me a shout and I'm happy to educate people if that's what it takes. That was all beautiful. But I think John missed out on the traditional line. Own your shit. And that's what the forum should do. Yeah, I know. I've let myself down there. I mean, my tagline, obviously, for life was perfectly timed to come out for there yeah. as well. You know, but I suppose to own your shit, you've got to be, you've got to say who you are, not just be faceless. Who is this random person? No one knows who they are. And I'm not a fan of it. If you want to, like, be a dick, whether it be on Twitter, a forum, that's your right to an extent. But then, at the end of the day, if you get called out on it, you have to own your shit at that point. Absolutely. And he doubled down. It just goes to show the mentality of the person, whoever it is, that he didn't take a step back and think, uh, I've crossed the line there. And especially after last week, when this kind of was very much at the forefront of a lot of people's thinking, he's doubled down. It says a lot about the character, to be honest with you. I'll give you that one. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's something that a lot of people, everybody even, just give yourself more time and, th- and thought before rushing for the likes and retweets. So that's it from what I've got on the agenda tonight. Do we have any other business? We've got one from Scott. Scott, go just, just one random one. Belfast, double headers. The second night in Belfast. I would love <sighs> if we've got any statos to see what Belfast Records is on a second night. Because the away team always maybe gets a point, maybe sneaks a win. The Blaze have done it in the last couple of weeks. Cardiff did it last week. They're fresh. They're rested. I would like some stats. If we've got any statos that listen to us. Because I think maybe they have to offer a doubleheader 
it might be a, a condition. I don't know if that's true. But I don't think their record over a double header weekend is that great. I would maybe disagree with that to an extent. Obviously, it's fresh in the mind about Cardiff winning there and Coventry. But you get your likes of your, of your Glasgow's going over there and you get the steamrolled back to back. Okay, maybe Manchester would, would, would win both games. It's a bit of a weird one because back in the day when you would go to, Car- go to Belfast with Cardiff, you'd, want to sc- you'd be having to score a goal. You'd be having to score a goal over two nights, let alone win back to back. And then for a couple of years, Cardiff got four points out there. I don't know, maybe the nightlife in, in Belfast on a Friday stroke Saturday is too tempting after a win. And then, you know, the local people get involved with them and they get burnt off the next evening. Either, either way, let's not, let's not bring it to attention. Let's keep it happening as long as possible, Scott. Yeah. Let's keep going below <laughs> the radar. Okay. Let's not make it a thing. Julie, Julie's slapped by the diva. Yeah. Well, well, it's in all of our interests on this pod that word doesn't get out about Belfast potentially struggling on a Sunday or a Saturday, second night of a doubleheader. Let's keep on the lowdown, and I hope it manifests itself dramatically next year to become a more of a regular thing. I think there's definitely something in there, Scott, because I think even if you don't win the second game, it's always a lot closer. And I, I do, I do think that is a, a definite point in there somewhere. I know we know a style that could provide us that information. I'll, I'll drop a message and we'll uh, just to, for conversational purpose. Um, but I'm with you. I think the nightlife does uh, bring the the Belfast and the away fans closer, and uh, a lot of fun's had. Um, so that's it, gents. Um, we go on to yays and nays. I am looking forward to this one. Uh, let's go, Greg. What's your yeas and nays this week? Okay, then, a couple of each. Uh, yeas first. Give them a four points, keeping it interesting. Uh, well done to them. Come on, the Tories. Uh, second one, not only, not only did we win uh, in Belfast, second game, it was an actual power play goal that won it. One of the worst, if not the worst, power play in the league. Come on, the power play goals. Uh, nays. Fife, we've already mentioned them tonight. What are they doing? Sort it out, guys. Come on. And the second knees, Will Cullen, ducking out of a hit, making Penny go into the boards and then refusing to answer for it with Brandt on his way out of the box. Complete and utter chicken. You can swear, Greg. It's allowed. Shit house. That'll do. That's fine. Chicken. Diva, what's your yesterday's? Oh, I, I don't know. Again, I haven't really thought about this. Uh, I'm probably going to have to go on the back of Guildford trying to make it interesting for another week anyway. Um, so the game of the weekend, Tedesco, two goals. McAdam, brilliant. Just annoying where they've been for the previous three weeks when they could have done with uh, winning a few more games. Um, Nays, Panthers, lol. Scott. Yes, Panthers. <laughs> I know we slammed them earlier, but look, the season's over, so I hope they shit the bed to the end of the season. Uh, and also, yes, after pathetically losing against Dundee, heading up back up the um, six and the uh, getting the win in Dundee. Uh, Nays, the Five Flyers, be better. 
And uh, secondly, he's also the DPD driver that opened my front door earlier and nearly got killed as I opened as I opened my porch door. What are you doing in my house, Sunshine? Uh, yeah, so DPD do better as well. To go full up ninja on him. Attacking him. Oh, mate, I, I, he backed up. <laughs> to be did fair, to, it happened to me to once about... Yeah, to locked up. <laughs> <laughs> it's a MSN driver, like, just, like, open my door and, like, put a parcel in my, my, in my hallway. I'm like, who the f- do you think you are, Sunshine? It's like, yeah, it's a parcel. Yeah, there's a porch outside, mate. You know, absolute lunatic. Good for you, Scott, anyway. Hope you learned him. In fairness, if you if the diva can have Cardiff City Football Club as his years and age, then that's more than plausible to have, uh, Scott. I'm all for, I'm all for it. So, so so my yays um, retro weekend. As I said, it loved it. Um, and it was a retro weekend. We scored power play goals two nights on the trot, um, which is a rarity. Um, Manchester four points. Well done. Special um, yay for for bridging the gap in the community between Belfast and Cardiff fans, Elliot. Well done. Um, <laughs> Nays Nyingham Ha The gift that keeps on giving Five What the hell In your hands Throwing it away That's why you're not allowed nice things Amongst the many many reasons So that's it for um, This week's edition The socials at FreeMP Podcast UK for Twitter and Instagram. If you see a second Instagram account, do follow us. We uh, had password troubles because uh, one of us, myself, um, lost the password and didn't write it down, so we had to redo. Um, Facebook at FreeMP Podcast UK and YouTube, uh, FreeMP Podcast. We have the Sean McMorrow interview on, and we will have an episode soon where you get to see our wonderful faces and the guest voice. So that's a treat for you all for the end of the season. Uh, Greg, there's a reason why you're my favourite Tory. Wonderful as ever. Thank you for your, for your time this evening. No problem at all. Thanks, guys. Always a pleasure, like I said at the start. Anytime. Is Greg on like the record now for like most appearances? I think he's five now, isn't he? I think he is. Yeah. He's just robbing right. away now, isn't he? Yeah, he'll, he'll end his school cap soon. Um, he'll, uh, he'll be there soon. Diva, Scott, thank you very much for your time. As ever. Thank you, boys. Enjoyed it as ever too. Quite uh, less low. ranty tonight, wasn't it? Really? Mm, well, maybe mid to average ranty, maybe Not then. You. Mm. That was about four out of ten for ranting, I think. Proper diva, isn't he, Scott? Are you done, diva? Dundee. Let's go Dundee again, are we? Say that. I said, are you done, diva? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> right, lads, lads. Right. Let, I'll, I'm going to let Adam Keith close the gate on tonight. <laughs> Scott, forever being the gen. And that's it for this week's episode of the 303 Podcast.